Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. It's been 3,342 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 423 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. some housekeeping. Today's report is once again somewhat condensed as our chief content officer is taking a few days off, so we'll be jumping right into regional updates. Things should be more or less back to normal for Monday's episode. We appreciate your understanding. Let's go ahead and get started with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported fighting among squad-sized units in the area of Sinkivka, Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo claimed the settlement was captured by Russian forces, which contradicts the Russian MOD report. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and the Russian MOD reported fighting in Liman Pirshi, which is north of Sinkivka, and would indicate that Ukrainian forces advanced north from Sinkivka. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD reported fighting among squad-sized units in the area of Orleansk. Moving on to Luhansk. In the Svaltova operational area, the Russian MOD reported fighting among squad-sized units in the areas of Novoselivke and Stelmachivka. In the Kremina operational area, Wargonzo reported positional fighting on the western edge of the city with no success. Multiple sources reported positional fighting and artillery exchanges in the Serebriansky forest and the Seversky Donetsk River floodplain west of Shiplivka with no change to the situation. In the Lesichansk operational area, the Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Artem Lusichor reported Russian forces, quote, tried to advance, quote, in the direction of Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, also reporting that Ukrainian forces captured Russian soldiers. There were no other sources that claimed activity in the area. In northeast Donetsk, in the Bakhmut operational area, the Russian MOD reported they completed 69 fire missions through the Solidar, Bakhmut, and Kostyantinivka operational areas, and eight close air support sorties were conducted by Russian Army Aviation and the VKS. PMC Wagner's attempts to advance on Bogdanivka and Romova were unsuccessful. Russian mercenary millblogger Rebar reported the T-506 highway ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, is still open, writing that Wagner was trying to, quote, cut one of the two remaining roads to Bakhmut, end quote. 
It's unclear if Wagner is still in the tree line near Bogdanivka, so there was no map change. In the northern part of Bakhmut, a video confirmed that Ukrainian forces are firmly entrenched in the buildings one block southeast of Rosali, which does not support Russian claims of success in the area. We maintain that fighting continues on the southern edge of Rosali, and School 24 is under Ukrainian control. In the central part of Bakhmut, Russian mercenary millblogger Rybar claims fighting continues at Railroad Station 1. There have not been supporting claims from any source on the capture of Hotel Transit. Russian millblogger Daniel Bezanov reported there was no change in territorial control. PMC Wagner has not issued an updated map since April 9th. In fact, PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin denied claims that Bakhmut is encircled, unironically saying, quote, It is too early to talk about the formation of a boiler for the armed forces of Ukraine in Artemovsk, he means Bakhmut. As before, they are in the so-called operational encirclement when the roads are shot through. But there is no boiler, so there are tough fights. And those who speak their tongues ahead, they only create problems for us. End quote. Russian propagandists are convinced the Ukrainian counteroffensive will be in Bakhmut, but made the claim based on their belief the garrison is encircled, writing, quote, The fall of the city and the surrender of the garrison is unacceptable for Zelensky, so the Ukrainian command will simply be forced to act. End quote. Assessment here. Cool story, bro. <laughs> Ukrainian troops have claimed they believe that Russian forces and PMC Wagner are holding back and are preparing a larger attack in the near future. That said, ground conditions remain very poor, and we question how much combat strength Russian forces have. There were no reports of fighting south of Ivanivsky, and fighting in the southwestern part of the city is light. PMC Wagner released a video alleging Ukrainian forces are using chemical weapons in Bakhmut. We link to the video in our full situation report on Patreon. Either Ukrainian artillery is impressively consistent, and there is exactly zero environmental variation, or the sound editor on this artistic project got lazy. Also, it is some hella cringy bad acting. The duck and cover video the Cold War kiddos here in the U.S. watched in school was more realistic. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, Fighting between Novobakhmutivka and Novokalinovy continued, with Russian forces held to the H-20 highway. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported a Russian attempt to advance in the direction of Stepova failed. The GSAFU reported that Russian troops attempted to attack in the area of Kamyanka, with Wargonzo reporting a failed advance on Avdiivka from the southwest for the second day in a row. There was only scattered shelling of Avdiivka before the attack, indicating a continued shortage of ammunition for Russian forces. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported fighting in the no-man's land between Sieverne and Vodiana. Yeah, we know this is on repeat. If the situation changes, you'll be among the first to know. Wargonzo wrote that Russian forces attempted to advance in, quote, the direction of Pervomaisky, hinting that Russian troops may be pushed back to the E-50 highway to Piski for the second time in 2023. We did not update the map. The Donetsk People's Republic militia released a video of fighting that they claimed was near Vodyana. The video was geolocated to the south of Nevelsky and showed fighting on our current mapping of the line of conflict. Hashtag humblebrag. In the Marinka operational area, 
Fighting along Drewsby Avenue continued with Rebar somewhat walking back the we-almost-have-them-surrounded claim from yesterday. Fighting is now, quote, near the fire station. Orgonzo reported all attacks failed, and the GSAFU reported there were near-constant attacks in the city center. Russian forces continued attempts to recapture positions they gave up for no perceptible reason east of Pobida. In the Wuhledar operational area, the GSAFU and Worganzo reported fighting near the city. Insurgents in Mariupol reported trucks were moving prefabricated concrete bunkers through the city in the direction of Berdyansk. These are small rectangular bunkers, not the larger bunkers derisively referred to as septic tanks. Moving on to Zaporizhia. The International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, released an update stating that the situation at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP, has deteriorated. The inspectors at the plant have heard shelling almost every day over the past week and were told to go to the bomb shelter once because of military action, quote, in the region. The 330-kilovolt line from the west bank of the Dnipro has still not been repaired. While shelling in the Nikopol rayon is significantly reduced and we haven't reported on activity in some time, knock on wood, Chervanofriurivka, where the transformer farm, 330 kilovolt transmission lines, and solar energy farm are located, has been shelled almost daily. Russian occupiers have not fulfilled their promise to repair the switches to the Zaporizhia thermal power plant, which would provide a 330 kilovolt backup line to ZNPP. The on-site IAEA inspectors said they would inspect the area to understand the issues and delays. IAEA Secretary General Rafael Grossi said, quote, I saw clear indications of military preparations in the area when I visited Zaporizhia nuclear power plant just over three weeks ago. Since then, our experts at the site have frequently reported about hearing detonations, at times suggesting intense shelling not far from the site. I'm deeply concerned about the situation at the plant. End quote. ZNPP currently only has about a quarter of its regular maintenance staff available. New staff is being hired, but it will take some time until they're fully trained. The plant said a substantial list of required spare parts has recently been submitted to Rosatom, the Russian state nuclear company. As a result of the significant reduction of staff, the ZNPP currently doesn't have a systematic maintenance and in-service inspection schedule. The on-site IAEA inspectors also reported there is extensive damage to windows in the turbine hall of Unit 4, which Russian occupiers claim was caused by a landmine detonation on April 12th. In the strongest language to date, Grossi wrote the, quote, location that appears in is inconsistent with being caused by the previously reported landmine explosions, end quote. The IAEA reports from ZNPP have never come this close to stating that Russian occupiers are sharing false information. Reactor 6 is being brought to a cold shutdown as planned over the weekend. At the time of recording, there were reports of two significant explosions in Zaporizhia Oblast. Russian forces conducted 60 fire missions, three UAV attacks, and no airstrikes along the Zaporizhia line of conflict. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, the Black Sea fleet has nine vessels on patrol, including two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching up to eight-caliber cruise missiles in total. 
There was a major blackout on the occupied Crimean Peninsula, including Simferopol, Sake, Krasnogvardiesky, Krasnoperekovsky, Jankoy, Jankoyski, and most of Sevastopol. Local officials gave no reason for the widespread power outages. In western and central Ukraine, in Dnipropetrovsk, four more Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drones were shot down. There were no reports of casualties or damage. In Venezia, Captain Natalia Khumenyuk, head of the Joint Coordination Press Center for Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that, quote, There have been hits on an infrastructure facility in our region, in Venezia Oblast, but still most of the Shaheds were shot down. End quote. The, quote, infrastructure facility that was hit was not related to power generation or distribution. On the Russian front, the bomb that exploded in Bilgorod was a Fab 1500 SE with a 20-second delay fuse. The bomb struck the sidewalk adjacent to the road at a major and busy intersection, burying itself into the earth. Incredibly, it exploded just as traffic finished passing, launching at least two parked cars at least 25 meters into the air. Had the bomb not had a delayed fuse, it would have been catastrophic. The entire incident was captured on a security camera, and we do link to the video in our full situation report. The Russian S-400 air defense system that crashed into a ditch in Tuva was driven by a 33-year-old contract soldier who was drunk at the time, according to Russian state media agency Baza. He could face prosecution for, quote, damage to military property through negligence, end quote, and up to five years in a Russian penal colony. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky held a meeting of the Stavka with a public readout, stating, quote, The front line is the number one priority. We are also actively preparing new brigades and units that will prove themselves at the front. The question is of their provision, training, and integration into the general defense plan. Every time at the meetings of the Stavka, we add important details, end quote. In Odessa, an 82-year-old music teacher was fired for teaching Russian classical music in the classroom. According to the report, a student refused to listen to the music of Russian composers Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff and complained to the leadership of the Odessa Theater and Art College. Quick sidebar. Tchaikovsky was born in Ukraine and wrote several operas and symphonies dedicated to his birth home, but admittedly has a more complicated history. Rachmaninoff was born in Russia, but fled to the United States in 1918, where he lived until his death from cancer in 1943. The truth matters. This is a story that needs to be reported. It is incredibly challenging to tell a nation at war what it should and should not do. This may be a hot take, but censorship of the classical arts is not compatible with a free society, and Rachmaninoff's most famous works weren't written until he fled to the United States. After Rammstein 11, Latvia agreed to send its entire inventory of Stinger Manpad anti-aircraft missiles to Ukraine. Portugal announced it was sending five armored personnel carrier ambulances, three M113s, and two M577s. Canada announced it was sending a military aid package that includes 40 Prairie Gunworks sniper rifles, 16 radio and communication stations for Leopard 2 tanks, and $34.6 million in monetary assistance for unspecified supplies and fuel. 
The Associated Press reported that 31 M1A1 Abrams tanks would arrive in Germany by the end of May, with Ukrainian forces starting a 10-week training program after their arrival. This is months ahead of the previously announced schedule. The commander of the Air Force of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Mykola Oleschuk, checked the deployment of the Patriot Air Defense System in an undisclosed location in Ukraine, confirming the system is combat operational. Speaking of patriots, let's talk about the Russian military, mobilization, and Mir. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov continues to be in damage control mode, with electronic and SMS text subpoenas being sent for conscription after Moscow promised the electronic system would not be used until the fall, repeating, quote, There is no talk in the Kremlin about any wave of mobilization, end quote, despite numerous claims from the State Duma that one was necessary. YouTube took down PMC Wagner's channel and removed all related videos. In Melitopol, a Russian soldier driving a Tor anti-aircraft system rolled it over in the middle of the city, marking the second incident in 72 hours. Is it a TikTok trend? Is that what's going on? The head of PMC Wagner, Yevgeny Prigozhin, claimed that the 33-year-old son of Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov, Nikolai, served on an Uragan multiple launch rocket system in Ukraine as a Wagner mercenary. The announcement comes conveniently the day after the State Duma authorized veteran status and benefits for PMC Wagner mercenaries who complete their duty with the PMC. In December 2022, Prigozhin facilitated a POW swap of 28 Ukrainian soldiers for a priest of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Moscow Patriarchate. Ukrainian officials confirmed the previously unreported exchange. And that's what we know. Join me again on Monday for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.